When time stops, the universe disappears. It is here all the time, precisely because it is beyond the reach of time. And it cannot be held because time is intermittent. It is present in every now moment, between the tick-tock of serial manifestation, via which it functions indirectly. We know it eternally. It is the background not only of thought, but of every act of living. That is why it is pure function. And what pure function is. Mumon said, It is too clear, and so it is hard to see. A dunce once searched for a fire with a lighted lantern. Had he known what fire was, he could have cooked his rice much sooner. It is the function whose dualistic and temporal manifestation is living. The act of every action. The origin of every thought. The basis of every percept. Not directly what we do, what we think, what we see, which is subject to time, or what we project serially in the sensing as each phenomenal object.
It is the living itself of life, not the way we live it objectively. The awakened can live directly. We live indirectly. But even indirect living is ultimately it. For it, not the wooden puppet, the object, is all that we are. Ramana Maharshi said, the mind or the mouth cannot act of their own accord. Recognize the force of the divine will and keep quiet. The mind or the mouth cannot act without the self. Since we are obliged to use dualistic language in order to communicate understanding, we should be well advised to use words in a manner that is verifiable, that is, in a way that is etymologically correct. To perceive means thoroughly to take hold of. But metaphysically, there is no one to take hold of anything and nothing to take hold of. Therefore, perception is the first stage of the conceptualization process and the two elements perception and conception form one whole and that one whole is the mechanism whereby we create samsara. What we are required to do is the contrary, to lay everything down, to be nothing, to know that we are nothing, and thereby to leave behind the whole process of conceptualization. So doing, we cease to be that which we never were.
are not and never could be. That, no doubt, is Nirvana. And since nothing is being conceived, nothing is being perceived, and nothing is being projected via the psychosomatic apparatus, which itself is a conceptualized percept. At that moment, the phenomenal universe no longer exists as far as we are concerned. We are sitting in a Bodhi Mandala, in a state of perfect availability. So placed and automatically we should re-become integrally that which we always were, are, and forever must be. And that, because it is this, can never be thought or spoken. For this, being purely non-objective, is in a different direction of measurement from any conceptual dimension, being the source of all dimensionality and all phenomenality. This is the sun itself shining through the dualism of negative and positive, whose rays appear to split into that negative, nirvana, and that positive, samsara, from which arise all phenomena, the perceptual, conceptual universe including that which we have known as ourselves. I am that I am, said Yahweh, which no doubt means this which I am. We too are this which we are, for this is everything that ever was, is, or ever could be. Thank you.
That which you seek and cannot find is the seeker. The reason why the Dharmakaya cannot be found or described is that ultimately it is the seeker, the describer, that is seeking. And so would be the subject making an object of itself. Every time you try to name this here now, you are an I trying to see itself. You cannot objectify this which you are, and that which you objectify is that which you are not. This which is seeking is that which is sought, and that which is sought is this which is seeking. Dharmakaya is just mind, which cannot be found because sought it is the seeker. And sunyata, void, is what an eye does not see when it tries to look at itself. But there is no dharmakaya, no mind, no sunyata no thing whatever to be sought. And there is no thing whatever to seek any other thing. Nor is there anyone to experience their total absence, which is also their own. When Bodhidharma told Hui Ko to bring him his mind so that he might tranquilize it, and Hui Ko failed to find it, Bodhidharma said, There, you see, I have tranquilized it for you. What had enlightened Hui Ko? 
he had seen that the sort was the seeker and that the seeker was the sort. When Huang Po said, you cannot use mind to seek mind, the Buddha to seek the Buddha, or the Dharma to seek the Dharma, he pointed at the same essential truth. The sort cannot seek, for the sort can only be the seeker. Padmasambhava, the Supreme Master, said, There are no two such things as sought and seeker. When fully comprehended, the sought is found to be one with the seeker. If the seeker themselves, when sought, cannot be found, Thereupon is attained the goal of the seeking and also the end of the search itself. Then nothing more is there to be sought, nor is there any need to seek anything. Inasmuch as from eternity there is nothing whatsoever to be practiced. There is no need to fall under the sway of erroneous methods. In all these statements, this understanding is the understanding of all that is to be understood, of all that need be understood, perhaps of all that can be understood. For is anything else fundamentally and entirely true? Here again, the integral understanding of this is itself the awakened state. And the only practice is seeing this, 
which is awareness. Which is this which an eye cannot see when it looks at itself. Practice is deepening understanding. For understanding is first an intuitional glimpse of the truth of this. Then the obtaining of this intuitional glimpse at will. And finally, the permanent installation of this in seeing when walking, standing, sitting and lying in public and in private, asleep and awake. There is no objective ego or self. Nothing of the kind could be as an object. Even the words themselves do not admit of it. Did the Buddha mean anything but that in his insistence on the non-existence of a self of any kind whatsoever? I am, but not, not ever, not possibly, as an object. Our state of apparent bondage is due to identification with an imaginary objectivization of I. I became identified with myself, and myself are all sentient beings. Whenever we think or speak as from the object with which we are illusorily identified. We are thereby making an object of subject. That is why disidentification or awakening from the objective dream of living cannot take place as a result of thinking or of speaking. What then am I, since I can never be an object? Evidently, 
this could never be thought, let alone named, without thereby making me that which I am not. Perhaps one could say, I am, but there is no me. Or, you are pure I, but there is no you. For indeed, there is no I, but I am. Do not nearly all of us spend our time looking for ourselves as some object other than ourself, as reality, the absolute, God, Tao, pure mind. Is that not the quintessence of nonsense? The idea of an I, or of a self, is absurd, manifestly absurd, even linguistically. No I is, but I am. If that is clear, then we must be able to see that that which we are looking for is not that, but this, and this is I am. There is no that and no this. No self and no other. No human and no God. No Buddha, Tao, Absolute. No reality and no unreality. No you or me. I am no object. You are pure I. And I am utterly absent. We have completed the circle. The sort is the seeker, and there is none. All else is just bondage.
I move, space becomes as a result of my movement. Time is born as a measure of my movement in space. I have objects because I have become the subject of space and time. Dualism is established. The universe appears. I identify myself with my objects and there are illusory egos. I suffer illusorily and suffering becomes universal. I repose, space vanishes, for I have ceased to move, time ceases, for there is no movement to measure, there are no objects, for I am no longer a subject. Dualism is no more. The universe disappears. There are no illusory egos. There is no suffering. I am. But there is know me. There is no existence, no being that is other than conceptual. There is no existence or being that is not phenomenal. There are no such states as existence and being. 
They are only cognizable as phenomenal experiences, which are concepts in temporality. All things appear to be conceptually as objects in the temporal universe. No things appear to be in the intemporal universe, wherein they are not at all as things. All things are potentiality in the intemporal universe, for herein there is only pure, unconditioned subjectivity, and that is not cognizable as such. It cannot be experienced at all. For even pure, unconditioned self-awareness is not aware of awareness. If you believe the Buddha, or if you see it for yourself, in either case, it must necessarily be so. In the first dialogue of his treatise, Hui Hai asserts what amounts to the whole truth in one sentence. He says, Illumination means the realization that illumination is not something to be attained. Illumination is not something, for it is not an object. Nor is it not to be attained because we possess it already, as has inaccurately been stated, but because it is this which we are. As that for which we are searching, it is illusory, for it is in fact this we who are searching. This we who are searching cannot be found either, for we cannot find this which we are by searching. 
The realization that means illumination, as Hui Hai puts it, is the result of discovering that the seeker, who is the thought, is nowhere to be found. Why are they not to be found? because there is no such object as a seeker, nor anywhere for them to be. There is no object as such at all, never was, and never will be. There is neither illumination nor absence of illumination, neither bondage nor liberation from bondage. There is no one to be bound or freed. There is only one mind, which is not such at all as an object, and which therefore, having no subject, could never incur any objective effect or condition of any kind whatever. It is my phenomenal object, identified as me, that thinks itself bound and seeks to be freed. But it has never been bound, and it will never be freed. As soon as I no longer refers to it, there is no longer any bondage, nor any freedom, for such notions can no longer arise.
Thank you.